As the longest-running magazine in the world, The Spectator believes that journalism must be witty and insightful, that ideas should be discussed without the constant threat of cancellation. The Spectator never confuses the serious with the dull. It isn't right-wing or left-wing. It believes in challenging, informing, and entertaining readers. Since its founding in 1828, its mission has been to convey intelligence, not ideology. The Spectator is more cocktail party, less political party. As a publication, it believes that life is bigger than politics, which is why it covers art, culture, food, wine, travel, and life all around. Sign up today and you'll receive three free months of both the print and digital magazine, plus a free Spectator hat. Just use offer code BARPOD at checkout to redeem this special offer. Go to spectator.us slash special offer and use offer code BARPOD. If you do, you'll have access to an amazing roster of contributors. Christopher Buckley, PJ O'Rourke, Julie Bendel, Christopher Caldwell, Lionel Shriver, Douglas Murray, Toby Young, uh, that uh, Zizek guy whose name I can't Zizek. Yeah, that guy. Lefties love him. Roger Scruton. Scruton? Rod Lytle? God, these names are too hard to pronounce. And... Jesse's single. Wait, that can't be right. Did someone hire you? Yeah, yeah, they have very poor judgment. I'll explain during the episode, but we've got some exciting news. From the Biden administration to book reviews, from cancel culture to cultural cuisine, The Spectator will entertain you from cover to cover. So sign up today to get three months of The Spectator for free, plus a free Spectator hat when you subscribe today at spectator.us slash special offer. Use offer code BARPOD at checkout to redeem your offer. That's spectator.us slash special offer and offer code BARPOD. How's it going, Katie? And, uh... Hey, what's up, Edwin? Wait, who's Edwin? So I was uh, walking down the street the other day and I uh, ran into a fan. Really? That? Oh my God, I can't believe that happens. In real life? We have a fan in real I life? Kn- I I know. The only other time I'd been recognized in real life was when I was visiting my parents and I went to a taco place and a Breitbart reader <laughs> tried to engage me in a conversation about how he hated uh, Obama's uh, Iran nuke deal and I declined. But this was the second time. Walking down Atlantic Avenue, I have my mask sort of available but off, and this guy's like, hey, Jesse. And I I'm assume like, you're wearing a, a mask that says, I am Jesse Single. <laughs> I am Jesse Single. Please laud my podcast. Uh, no, and, and I'm like, hey, and he was wearing a mask. I was like, sorry, can you pull down the mask? I, I don't, I can't tell if you're someone I know. He's like, no, 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 I'm just a fan of the podcast, and I recognize you. Wow, uh, so, that's yeah. actually shocking. It is absolutely shocking. Again, only the second time that's ever happened, but I have since developed a uh, a pretty unhealthy fixation on Edwin. So, um, <laughs> what have you found out about Edwin? Did you do a, go- a, a deep Google? Yeah, yeah. I, I found his social security number. I made like a little uh, sort of collage of our moments together, or or moment. But nice. I'm I'm responding in a really psychologically unhealthy way to the idea of like meeting a real life listener to the podcast. So we should uh, try to avoid that from happening further. You know, my wife recently was at work and one of her coworkers asked her the name of the show and she told them and another coworker came up to her later and said, are you married to Katie Herzog? And it turns out that that person, her coworker, is a secret blocked and reported listener and even more disturbing is specifically a Jesse single fan. What? I haven't told you this for obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, I will say that in the part of Brooklyn I inhabit and wander around, the probability of meeting someone randomly who recognizes me and has positive feelings about me was was pretty low. Very low. Very low. Much more likely to to, to end up uh, in line for coffee besides Grace, Grace Lavery, I would expect. <laughs> Are you Jesse Single? Yes. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Hey, I just want to just want to tell you, you're a, I saw you on the street. Want to come over and say I think you're a real piece of shit. Surprise, that hasn't happened yet. 
What's the name of this podcast that is increasingly full of itself? This is Blocked and Reported, and I'm Katie Herzog. I am uh, world-renowned, recognizable wherever he goes, Jesse Single. And today, what are we talking about, Jesse? I don't know. You tell me. There was like a campus thing involving racism and then a um, base camp thing involving racism. For that, a few uh, sort of housekeeping and other stuff. First of all, last week's episode was unusual. It was about uh, my mom who died recently, and I was glad to get out in the world. I felt weird about it. I have gotten so many kind notes from people who heard it, and many of whom shared their own experiences, losing a parent, mental health problems, cancer. Um, I'm going to try to respond to them. It's, you know, it's a lot to read them. I just want to express uh, extreme gratitude to our community, basically. I just... Yeah, it was it was weird to put that out there. I want to obviously thank you to you, Katie, too, for doing that. It was it was weird, but um, yeah, I got so many nice notes. It it made me feel good and also sad, but like that sad, we are all in this horrible universe together. Kind of, it's like a good sad, right? Um, I wonder how many people like came to the podcast for the first time last week and and now think that this is a grief show and how disappointed they're going to be when it finds out that that we have no <laughs> yeah. dead parents this week. Yep. Every week we just talk about someone we love who died and we just get really upset about it. That's the whole podcast. Yep. Um, thank you very much to everyone. It, this has been weird, but I, I um, yeah, it's wonderful. Having this podcast has been a huge relief and I we're going to be back to normal now, just uh, making fun of internet bullshit. One other like sort of just plug self-promotion thing is I'm going to be the media critic at uh, the Spectator USA. Uh, I'll have like a thousand word column in print every month, which I'm very excited about. If you have ideas for, for how I should use that space, definitely send me an email. Um, I'm excited by it. I, I love the chance to have a regular presence in print, which is is becoming more and more rare. Um, you know, I saw some people sort of reacting negatively that I'm going to be writing regularly for a conservative publication, but Am I a bad person, Katie, that I just don't care? Am I immoral? Look, The Spectator has so many columnists who are not conservatives. Like, nobody's going to accuse Julie Bendel of being a conservative because she writes for The Spectator or Megan Murphy. Um, this is also, I think some people probably are confusing The Spectator, which is a British publication. You'll be writing for the American version, which is fairly new, with The American Spectator, which is not the same thing. Yeah, yeah, just to clarify a couple things. This is not going to affect the podcast. It's not going to affect uh, my newsletter, which is a separate thing. It's it's one article a month and I'm going to put time into it, but it, it'll have no bearing on anything else. I saw a couple people maybe maybe misunderstanding and thinking this was like a job job. It is very much a gig. Um I'm obviously giving all the money I get to Katie because you're the reason I have any success at all. But other than that, it's just it's a gig and a gig I'm excited about. This is how you are combating the gender wage gap, and uh, we all appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Before that, uh, okay, I'm gonna read from um, Chase Strangio is like a, a very high level person at the ACLU. He tweets a lot. He's a trans man. He's he does trans right stuff. This is a line from an interview that just went up today. May 5th. Happy Cinco de Mayo, uh, by the way, Katie. I hope you're wearing a large and offensive sombrero. I am. I, well, I never take it off, so. <laughs> this, is, this is the only day of the year I do not wear my sombrero. Out of respect. Out of respect. I'm eating a taco bowl. Really? really? No. Oh, uh, Donald Trump thing. Uh, GQ ran an interview with Chase Strangio. I'm going to read a line from it. And then it became sort of the cause of Andrew Sullivan and Glenn Greenwald and Jesse Single and all these other people who are just somehow finding their moment to be like, quote, oh, yes, trans people are so disgusting. And I feel that way. And now I get to frame this around my right to speak without criticism, end quote. Um, that sounds like something you said. Yeah. Trans people are disgusting. They're disgusting. Um, 
think anyone in particular you want to like this trans person in particular is it is it just all trans people are disgusting i i guess the implication is that i think they're all disgusting um this is bullshit chase strangio is full of shit and I don't, I'm sort of tired of getting, like, I've actually been basically off Twitter. I came on to sort of post a statement about this, but it's just plainly defamatory. Like, I don't, I don't mean that in a legal sense. Everyone wants me to like sue everyone. I'm not suing everyone. I'm just sort of exhausted by this. I've never written anything remotely like this. I don't think the ACLU should, should encourage this sort of bullshit. It's just really bad, but I, I would rather be productive about this than continuing to be mad about it. So I, I wish Chase would just like come on and we could talk about this because the stuff I've written about and you've written about too, like, you know, when, what the process should be for 13 year olds to go on hormones that, that balances the potential benefit of that with the fact that they're 13 and might not know how they'll feel in a few years. If Chase is this frustrated at my work about it, he probably has very strong and well thought out views on what that process should look like. And if Chase came on the podcast and we discussed that something useful would come out of that, that is not useful. Just the the tweets lobbed back and forth, and exactly who who you would expect supporting Chase's side of it, and exactly who you would expect retweeting my defense of myself. It just gets fucking exhausting. So, I would like Chase Strangio to consider coming on the podcast. It could either be with both of us or just a one on one interview with me. I don't think we're a particularly angry or, or yelly podcast, right, Katie? We have our moments. But generally, no. <laughs> Katie, just Katie, goddamn it, just say we're not fucking yelling. We're not too mad. I found over the last many years, the people who say the most, uh, in, to my mind, inaccurate stuff about me and who misrepresent my work, work the worst will never, ever have a conversation. I have, I do not think Chase will take me up on this. It is a sincere offer and he will be treated with respect if he comes on. Andrew Sullivan, who Chase also defamed in that GQ piece, has has invited Chase onto his podcast, and Chase has not bothered to respond. Yeah, and I think at a certain point, um, you know, you can't hurl accusations like this and then be unwilling to defend them. I mean, you can. Chase will will continue to be get a lot of high profile speaking gigs and and interviewed by every media outlet writing about trans issues, no matter what he says on Twitter. I just think it's a bad look, but that's just my opinion. And uh, yeah, I guess we should move on. Every time Chase Strangio tweets, the ACLU loses a donor, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, it's not it's not necessarily the best way to represent your organization. I'm obviously... Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's the ACLU. He's not representing the Human Rights Campaign or Trans Lifeline. Chase Strangio is a representative of the fucking ACLU, which has done less to defend free speech <laughs> in, in recent years. And now you have an ACLU staff attorney defaming people in the fucking pages of GQ. It is funny how when you go on Twitter, get mad about this, people want you to, they want litigation so badly. They're like, sue, sue. It's like, no, it's not as easy or fun as it's The not. barrier to sue is also really in the US, high. Yes. Yeah, and it would it would consume your life. It would be expensive, and you probably wouldn't win because it's like you can defame public figures. I'm not sure if you if you count in the real world, but in the court of law, you might um, kind of with impunity. Well, you basically need it. My understanding is you need to prove either actual malice, which would mean turning up evidence. Chase was like, I am going to lie about Jesse Single, which is unlikely, or right. uh, a sort of a reckless level of. Um, negligence uh so it's not it's not right. easy and and there's benefits to our lax uh for defamation sure. laws it protects the media yeah yeah i can it absolutely protects the media um so I also what i want to happen is for you to defame me on this podcast and then for me to sue you and for us to sort of 
that to be as we re- continue to record the podcast throughout the trial, that would just make for some really interesting content. It probably would. And then we could use all of the money that the show has made countersuing each other. It sounds like a great plan. Katie, I have it on good authority that you torture Moose regularly. That is a statement of fact. He likes not- it. <laughs> oh, so you're acknowledging He it. likes it. Come on. With that big floofy face, he's just asking for it. He, he's just too cute. Just too cute. Didn't you say he's going gray? He is. Can we not talk about it, though? All right. Is, that, is this not public? It's Well, I don't want to talk about it. All right. <laughs> Hey, Katie, why don't we, should we do the dumb campus controversy first or the dumb uh, tech bro controversy first? Let's do campus first. All right, Jesse, you are familiar with the University of Washington, Seattle? Mm, is that the, that's not the main one, right? It is, yeah. Oh, then yes. You, yeah, UW. Um, yeah, old campus. It's it's very pretty. Lots of, uh, lots of cherry blossoms this time of year. Uh, the sort of biggest, most prestigious, but prestigious public school, uh, public college in Washington State. Um, and this week or this month, uh, the UW is having their gov- student government elections. And there has been this sort of um, amazing, amazing saga playing out over the course of these elections. So basically what happened is that the student association is called Associate- Associated Students of the University of Washington, and or that is ASUW for short. So what happened is that this year's, this spring's student elections, you have a group of people running uncontested, all of them, for every position, uncontested. And it turns out that that the organization, ASUW, announced the uh the deadline to file for to 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 for to campaign like 5 days before the student elections there was very little advertising and so you have this group of people all of whom are sort of political insiders within this you know this uh this university running unopposed so that's not great so wait they they announced um here's how you you run for office 5 days before the deadline yes okay Okay. So that's so so that happened. And in response to this, the Daily, which is the student newspaper, published uh they so they generally endorse candidates and this year they decided not to endorse any of the candidates. And they did this in part I think out of frustration over the fact that they had done almost nothing to advertise this and so you have this group of people who are who are running unopposed. I mean literally every office is running unopposed. Every candidate for office is unopposed. And so the Daily published this editorial saying that they weren't going to endorse any of the candidates. I'm going to read you a little bit from their editorial. This year, the Daily has decided not to endorse any of the candidates, all of whom are qualified for their respective positions, but based on their performance, are clearly not prepared. The Daily believes the candidates' performances in the forums last week, so those are candidate forums, were great disappointments. We collectively have concerns about this ticket's ability to deliver on its campaign promises next year after witnessing the lack of authenticity and brazen pandering to certain communities. Their responses also demonstrated a lack of preparation in how they will execute their goals, relying on scripted answers featuring buzzwords for social justice points, and with some candidates lacking even a basic position of what a basic understanding of what their position entails. <laughs> so, um, in addition to publishing this, they also later in the later in the editorial um, called uh, at least one of the candidates said that that their positions were lazy. In addition to this, wait, who call who calls who? The, lazy? the daily is calling the candidates lazy. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, in in addition to this editorial saying they're not going to endorse any of the candidates, they publish cartoons. So, one of these cartoons 
it says ASU, ASUW election write-in suggestions. And then it has a, a series of drawings of these sort of um, icons within the UW campus. So there's a Rainier Vista goose. Apparently there's some area on campus or near co- campus where a goose congregates. The Starbucks food truck in Red Square, uh, which is sort of Red Square is like a quad kind of thing. Metal shell sculpture thing, and then this is where it gets really problematic. They have the ghost of Dubs Dubs One, so that's the ghost. It's, <laughs> it's a, a dog. dog. It's a dog with like an angelic halo, a husky. Yeah, the UW huskies. Right. So yeah. the ghost of the first husky dog, and then the most problematic, the medicinal herb garden monkey. So there's apparently an herb garden somewhere on campus, and there's some sort of like statue monkey thing in this in this herb garden. So they published that cartoon. That one was the most problematic, the one that got mo- the most attention. They published another one by the same artist. And this one shows um, a, a sort of bubble. And in the bubble, there's like, it looks like there's like people around a table, maybe debating or having a meeting. And then there are all these buzzwords within the bubble accessibility, inclusivity, equitable, diversity, task force, Greek communities, social justice, Greek communities in there like five times, more Greek community, intersectionality, synergy. And then you have two people standing outside the bubble, and one says to the other, so we can't expect much this year, can we? Meaning, meaning that all these candidates just aren't even saying anything. It's just platitudes. Right. They're just repeating platitudes. So, um, so <laughs> surprise, surprise, they are inundated, apparently, by allegations of racism. Um, this specifically comes from a couple different groups. There's the Black Student Union, as well as this, uh, this group of students who is running for, running for, for student council. Um, and they've named their group Uplift, uh, Uplift UW 2021. And, and w- w- let me just make sure that people, so, okay, when you're saying, so, okay, it's labeled ASU election write-in suggestions, they're saying vote for a goose, vote for a food truck, vote for this dead dog, just like random. That's the basic joke, right? Yeah, that's the joke. Okay. okay, so these various student organizations, like for instance, the UW um, Student Black Student Association uh, issues a statement. It says, we condemn the recent actions of the daily in their use of racially charged language and imagery against the candidates in the upcoming ASUW board election. The Daily referred to Uplift UW21, which is this, which is the candidates, uh, a majority BIPOC ticket, as unprepared and lazy. They then proceeded to endorse animals such as a monkey, a goose, and a dead dog, claiming that they would do a better, a better job than those students. This is disgusting. It continues. BIPOC communities have long been labeled as lazy and as a way to downplay the effects of systemic racism. There is also a long and racist history of comparing BIPOC individuals to animals. What the Daily did was racist and anti-Black. Every single candidate on this ticket deserves a direct apology from the writers of the article, the cartoonist, the editor, and everyone else involved in allowing such repulsive behavior. Um, Soon after that, the ASUW, so that's the student government, sent out an all-student email. So the the entire student body got this email um, demanding an apology from uh, uh, from the Daily, and of course accusing them of racism. And this, by the way, someone pointed this out to me. ASUW couldn't be bothered to send out an all an all student email or an all all campus email advertising the deadline for the elections, but they did do it in response to this these, this like joke endorsement and then this cartoon that they construed as racist. <laughs> So, as you might expect, Jesse, the Daily stood up for free speech, 
for freedom of association, for democracy, and they refuse to apologize. <laughs> yeah, right. That's not what happened. No. So, so the, the the daily almost immediately pulls the second or the first cartoon, the cartoon of the of the the uh, the fake endorsements from uh, from their website and apologizes. And I'll read you a little bit about from their apology. On Monday, we published our endorsements for the 2021 ASUW Board of Directors candidates. On the same day, we published a cartoon entitled ASUW Write-In Suggestions that attempted to caricature the, the uncontested elections process by suggesting that student voters write in random campus icons on their ballots. The cartoon was rightfully criticized as playing into the entrenched history of associating people of color with animals, especially given that the current ticket of ASUW candidates is majority BIPOC. To be clear, the cartoon was not meant to imply that the current state of can slate of candidates was somehow equi equivalent to any of these write-in suggestions, but it was a poor choice nonetheless, and any oversight on my part not to recognize those connotations prior to publishing it. So that was from the from the editor. And then he continues to say that they removed the cartoon from a website. They have also now um, removed the endorsement itself. So if you want to go find out who to vote for from the UW Daily, you're not going to find it. And hilariously, okay, so students are understandably pissed about this. Some are pissed about it because they think that this cartoon was racist. Others are pissed about it because they're, first of all, annoyed that the uh, ASUW used their power to email the entire student body to criticize the student newspaper rather than doing something like, you know, I don't know, advertising that the, that the, that the deadline for elections was coming up. Um, and so now there's a campaign on Reddit to elect someone named Eggman7698. The election isn't in until, it doesn't end until midnight tonight, so we're recording this a little bit early. But it looks like Eggman7698 has a fairly decent chance of winning. Wait, who is Eggman7698? Fucking some random poster on Reddit. Okay, and what's his platform? I don't think he has a platform. Well, surprise, I, I surprise. Was gonna, I was going to vote for the dead dog, but I just right. I would need to know. So, okay, so it's between the dead dog, the igloo, and Eggman7658 probably. And the, and the medicinal monkey. Yeah, but the monkey—that's that's too. Um, this is this is. It's hilarious. so it's so typical Seattle. Like this reminds me of the episode we did last winter. I believe it was last winter about a community in Seattle that got rid of these. Uh, they had this tradition of having having like putting these like arty monkeys in the windows of these businesses around Christmas time, and they this neighborhood stopped doing it because somebody saw the monkeys and thought black people um, and, uh, and complained about it. I'm just, I'm always so curious, like what's going through the head of the people complaining? Cause if you look at this cartoon and, and we'll include a link to it, um, clearly they're just riffing off the idea of voting for one of these, these inanimate campus institutions, like a food truck or a dead dog. There's, I just, it seems like if you explain the context to a hundred people, a hundred people would be like, no, that's not racist. There's just a statue of a monkey. Do you think the people complaining are doing so in good faith that they've convinced themselves they've been wrong? Wronged? Uh, probably a little bit, a little bit of both. I mean, for their sake, they're very lucky that the, the cartoonist chose a, a, like a monkey. Um, and maybe it was a racist dog whistle, or maybe it was just like a random fucking thing. But if it hadn't been a monkey, like they would have had to, to sort of figure out how like the Starbucks truck is racist. It's a good, you know, on one um, corner of the campus, there's this, this grotesque statue of a greedy Jew. It's good they didn't in include that. <laughs> exactly. It's actually, it's a statue of you. <laughs> Uh, uh, 
this is funny. Part of me feels a little bit guilty because it's just like dumb college kids. And the admit, well, the administration itself hasn't exacerbated this, right? That's usually my justification for like shiny light of these stories. This is just dumb kids. Yeah, it does not look like the president of the school has released a statement about this. Uh, maybe she is hoping that the students will just work it out among themselves. Um, but either way, we will find out tonight if Eggman7698 will, uh, will take the race. Make sure you do not accidentally write in Eggman7697, who is yes. an actual white nationalist. Yes, he's got a giant swastika tattoo on his head, so you do not want to vote for that Eggman. Well, I wish these kids the best. Uh, none of this is is stupid at all. They're doing great work. Uh, <laughs> it just it would have been like such a so refreshing if the the editors of the paper had been like, no, this isn't racist, and go fuck yourselves. Of course, they're not going to do that. And the thing is, like. This thing happens where when you apologize for something, when you haven't done anything wrong, you just inflame people I more. Know. So the people who might have defended you, and we saw this with um, the what was that band where the guy the guy recommended Andy Noe's book, um, Mumford and Sons. Oh, I think it was Mumford and Sons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So many better reasons to hate Mumford and Sons. Come on. Right. So this, so this, I like banjo player or something in Mumford, Mumford and Sons on Twitter. He recommended Andy Noe's book about Antifa and then got all of this, this pushback. And then he, and his, he, I think he ended up leaving the band. Did he leave the band? I cannot say I follow Mumford and Sons closely enough to know. Okay. So uh, he got all this pushback and then he ended up apologizing. And so all of the people who were defending him, they turn on him too. So I just got to say, like, apologies. Unless you've done something actually bad, apologies like generally don't work in your favor. So in the context of a college campus where you have to share a community with all the people who hate you, I can understand a 20-year-old being browbeaten into that. It's, it's different from when like Trader Joe's was like, no, we're not changing the names or whatever because like that's just angry people on internet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, anything else? Uh, any any questions about uh, the UW elections, Jesse? No, I feel much worse and more stupid knowing that story. But again, I, I these kids are – it's a fascinating experiment in democracy. And I hope it works out for them and for Eggman69420. Yeah, President Eggman69420. <laughs> Doctor. Doctor. All right. Let's move on to Basecamp. You remember Basecamp from our Patreon-only conversation the other day? Yeah, they're a tech company. They created Ruby on Rails, which is like a, a web – management thing, something techy. It's very popular. I see it pop up everywhere. I should know what it means, but yeah. Right. Okay. So this is going to be, there's going to be a little bit of repeat for our patrons because we did a, a Patreon only episode about what's happening at Basecamp. Um, last week, there are some updates and we think this is interesting enough to bring onto the free feed. So if you're a patron, you're going to you're going to hear a little bit of a repeat, but I have faith that you won't be too harmed by it. Yes, and we're such compelling speakers that you would hear us repeat ourselves forever. Oh, sure. You could just listen to us read the phone book. Okay, so in April, Basecamp released a public blog post uh, announcing that they were going to have no more politics at work. And it's a distributed company, so their communication all comes through like an internal messaging platform, sort of like Slack would be in a lot of offices, but there's this... Uh, some, I guess, proprietary software. And so according to this blog post, um, politics had become a distraction and it had become tense and it wasn't going well when people would talk about politics at the office. And so they just said, like, basically, no more political talk at the office. And they offered uh, between three and six months 
um, severance to anybody who wanted to leave the company over this. No, but And, and I, I had gotten this wrong initially. They're not like if you privately talk politics in a side chat, no. that's not the issue. It's in public, pu- public channels within the company, right? Right. So if you haven't worked in an office that uses these internal messaging platforms, basically how it works is like you can have private conversations. So I could be talking to you in our own channel, but then you have these public channels where, you know, one might be called office politics, where you talk about politics. And, and like, you know, when I worked in media, you would have a channel where people talk about like the art that you're going to use for your piece or, you know, headlines of the day or whatever, stuff like that. So what they're saying is just like no more, po- no more politics on the main feed. Okay. Yeah. And that, that, and so that just stemmed from the idea that things had gotten tense, but then it turned out that this had come from a very specific, um, Controversy, right? Right. So we know uh, we know all of this from Casey Newton, who's a tech reporter, and he he runs a Substack called Platformer. And so last week, Casey Newton, or maybe two weeks ago, Casey Newton reported that what preceded this announcement was that uh, they had Basecamp had internally kept a list of like funny customer names for quite some time. I think the list had been around for over a decade, and there were some like four names on the list. I think um, I think a handful of, of Asian names. There were probably some like weird Swedish names or Scandinavian. Wait, how many? How many did you say? I. Th- it was a handful. I think it was okay. so in in so I don't know if Casey Newton was specific about this. Later, one of the founders released a blog post. I believe he said there were six Asian names on the list. Out of how many? I don't know. Dozens, I guess. I don't know. Okay. So but it was but the point is it was like dispersed across the world cuz Scandinavians do have right, funny right. names. And um, so what happened is this list became an issue and some people thought it was racist and were offended by it for obvious reasons, like you're making fun of funny foreign names. And uh, and so they had like an internal reckoning about this list. And during this conversation, which is happening on one of these public public channels, a staffer um, posted a, a meme from the, the ADL, which is the, what is it, uh, Anti-Defamation League. Anti that's anti-Semitic. You don't yeah. Know that. So from the ADL, it was a. It's like sort of a pure. It's called like pyramid of hate or something like that. And it. it so the the top of the pyramid could be like mispronouncing someone's name or making fun of someone's name or whatever. And the bottom of the no pyramid, no the bottom the bottom right, is that right, more common right. stuff. Yeah. Okay, right. The bottom would be like microaggressions, and in the top of the pyramid, you'd have literal genocide. <laughs> the way so, the way you had it, it's like if there's enough genocide, <laughs> if there's then you don't want there to be genocide because then eventually people will make fun of funny names. As someone with a funny name, I am definitely very concerned about funny names. Okay, so people used to call me Hot Dog Jesse. Wait, why? My last name's Herzog. Also, it was because like one time I was riding a bike up a up, up a street doing a wheelie. So. Okay, I well, I well, I have to be honest. That what jumped into my head is like some sort of ironic comment on your sexual preferences. No, like that. Yeah, I guess that would have been like taco truck, hot dog stand. No, it was because I was like <laughs> taco showing. Truck. Yeah, it was because I was showing off on a bike, and my last name runs rhymes with Herzog. But there was a time in my life when I would walk into one specific bar in one specific part of of North America, and everybody who was there would yell "hot dog." That happened. Yeah, good old days. They're mostly dead now. <laughs> is that true? Yeah. Jesus Christ, that got dark. Why? Uh, <laughs> day drinking, it's, it does not expand your life very much. It's bad for you. <laughs> I was, um, I had a lisp when I was like in my most awkward, immediate pre adolescent phase, and some kids started calling me shingle. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> that's pretty good. I might, I might, uh, I might start that one. Bring it Stop. <laughs> okay, so, um, so the staffer posts this ADL pyramid of hate meme. 
And then one of the founders, uh, who, who goes by the name DHH, that which stands for David Heinemeyer Hansen. So also his name's Funny name. fucking, yeah. Um, so he basically was like, this is, you know, this is catastrophizing. You are equating this microaggression with genocide. And apparently, this is according to Casey Newton's reporting, he found some pr- prior instance in which the person who had the employee who had posted this ADL pyramid of hate meme was contributing to the funny name list or like making fun of somebody with a funny name or something like that. And he posted it in the uh, within this messaging platform. Right. So he's calling out his employee for for hypocrisy. Gotcha. Soon after that, DHH gets reported to HR by at least two, maybe three different people because this is seen as like bullying or harassing the employee. After this, this is when they decide no more politics talk at work. Okay. And that and that makes it seem like sort of an opportunistic decision on management's part because it's like this this caused me trouble. So then I just don't want people talking politics anymore. Exactly. And this company apparently has is like a pretty woke company and uh, and had not had, you know, problems with politics at work before. But now that there's this conflict and one of the one of the founders is getting, um, you know, getting reported to HR all of a sudden, like now we can't talk politics at work. So it seems cynical from that perspective. Gotcha. It's also just fun to have reckonings. Like whenever I'm in a group that hasn't had a reckoning in a while, I try to yeah. spark, I try to spark one. I try to have a good reckoning at least once every three months. We are more than a year into this podcast, and we have yeah. not had a single reckoning. We need to schedule that. Okay, next Monday at 5. Okay, so Casey Newton reports this story. This becomes major news. Basecamp is a small company. I believe they had 58 employees, but they are uh, they're important because of this thing. They developed Ruby Rails or Ruby on Rails, which sounds like a grapefruit company, but apparently is not. And so after Casey Newton reports this, and after this public blog post announces this new policy, they had an, they had a meeting about this. And they probably should have had the meeting about it before they put out the blog post and before Casey Newton got the story, but they didn't. They had the meeting afterwards. So during the course of the meeting, and this is the part that's going to be new for all of our patrons who have listened to this before. Um, it, the meeting is run by DHH and his uh, and his co-founder, fellow co-founder and company CEO, Jason Fried. Also a funny name. Um, interesting little detail here. Uh, DHH is in bed the entire time and he kept his camera off. Apparently he was ailing, which reminds me of, <laughs> side note here, what recently happened at The Believer. Can we just take a quick detour, Jesse? Yeah. Okay. So you're familiar with The Believer or Believer? I am. I believe I am. Yes. Okay. So Believer is a magazine, print magazine. I, I don't know if they're still in print, but it was a sort of McSweeney's property, irreverent, sort of highbrow, uh, lots of interesting writing in this magazine. And this week, uh, Joshua Wolf Shank, who was the editor of Believer, resigned after... This is so good. He was having a Zoom meeting at work, like a work Zoom meeting. He apparently suffers from fibromyalgia. And so he was taking an Epsom salt bath during this meeting. And he had his background set to something else. So you couldn't like see that he was in the bathtub. He was apparently wearing a mesh shirt. And uh, during the meeting, his, his laptop died. And so he got up out of the bath to plug it in. His camera was still on. So he must have had some sort of external camera. <laughs> and his staff got a view of his package. The full, they got the, the full tube in. They got the full tube in. He was in the tub. He, was, he, he did a, a tube in and a tub in. 
And uh, and he now does not have a job. Oh God, I shouldn't make fun. That, that one's like even more obviously accidental. That's I don't think that's fair. Am I missing any context here? I don't think so. He like obviously not a great idea to take a bath during a Zoom meeting, but this no. clearly seems like it wasn't intentional. Okay, so uh, back to base camp. That was just an aside to know. Like, like, just have an aside. We just want you to know that someone's dick was seen accidentally. Look, the connection. We'll whatever else we're talking about, we will break in to inform you. The connection. We should have an alarm for that. The connection is that DHH was in his bed taking this meeting. Okay. So <laughs> during the course of the meeting, um, Jason, Jason Fried. Is it Freed or F-R-I-E-D? It's spelled Fried. It might be Freed. Yeah, I think it's Freed, but whatever. So during this meeting, uh, you have a man named Ryan Singer. He's been with the company for almost 20 years. He's the, the head of strategy. So he's an important, an important guy in the company. And he, he spoke up. And uh, what we have is here is a script from, um, from Casey News, Newton's subsequent reporting on this. We'll put links to all of it in the show notes. And uh, during the course of this all-staff meeting, Singer says, I strongly disagree we live in a white supremacist culture. I don't believe in a lot of the framing around implicit bias. I think a lot of this is actually racist. He continued, Very often, if you express a dissenting view, you get called a Nazi. I have not felt this to be open territory for discussion. If we were to try to get into it as a group discussion, it would have been very painful and divisive. So they're having this conversation about whether or not they can talk about race and politics uh, within the company. And this one senior staffer says basically, I don't like you guys are saying that this is a white supremacist culture. I don't see it. Got it? Okay. Yeah, I got it so far. So then the CEO, Jason Fried or Jason Fried, whatever his name is, says, thank you, Ryan, and tries to move on. So some more people spoke. And then a black employee said that uh, this person wanted to speak and ask if they could revisit Singer's remarks. And Ryan or Casey Newton here, who's reporting this out, he does not identify the, the, the speaker here out of concern for that person's safety. Um, and so this black employee said, quote, the fact that you can be a white male and come to this meeting and call people racist and say white supremacy doesn't exist when it's blatant at this company is white privilege. The fact that he wasn't corrected, he meaning Ryan Singer, and was in fact thanked by the CEO, it makes me sick. Okay, so the conversation goes on. Um, there's lots of like sort of apparently like some crosstalk. The black employee says that that he or she or they doesn't want to hear from Singer. Um, and then and then Singer concludes sort of saying, like, the difficulty of this conversation is why I raised this point. At one point, Singer said, if you want to debate whether it, that's white supremacy, exists anywhere, then yeah, but not here at this company, not with the people I associate with. And then another employee says, it exists right now. This is fucking bullshit. You are being ridiculous. Um, and so obviously, like, things are sort of going off the rails. The employee... One employee calls for the the founders to to denounce white supremacy. The founders do, the founders don't do it in a way that I think is uh, is strong enough for the employee. And the entire time, DHS apparently like remains on mute. So he is DHH, right? DHH, yeah. Sorry, uh, DHS, very different. Um, so he's apparently like <laughs> fuck this. Yeah, so he's apparently in bed like, fuck this. Okay, so soon after this, it Wait, is you announced... Left, you left out the best part. What's the best part? From Newton's report. Oh, crying, as, crying. And right, screaming. Right, right, that's right. This is the best part. Okay, so here's a, here's a, a quote from Casey Newton's piece. Two employees told me they had found themselves crying and screaming at the screen. 
Such passion. Now, I, I, I love that. I do not begrudge anyone crying or screaming if they're treated in a racist way or face general workplace, genuine um, workplace discrimination. But you're crying and screaming because one guy out of 60 has like center right beliefs on race stuff. This It sort of reminded me of the New York Times thing where one of the complaints about Donald McNeil that like 150 employees put their names on was that he he didn't believe in white supremacy enough. Just this like vitriolic response to what are rightly or wrongly mainstream political views. It's like people don't – they simultaneously want to talk about politics at work, but they think that if uh, a conservative – They can't handle it when it happens. Yeah, yeah. So which just makes – They want to talk about politics as long as everybody agrees with them. Yeah, I w- and this and like and, and Singer's point here wasn't that white supremacy doesn't exist. He says this. He says I think it exists in certain contexts. I don't think it exists at this fucking tech company, which is I mean I have no idea if it exists there or not. But that's a fair that's a fair argument. I mean we see this all the time. You know uh, you can believe that white supremacy exists in the judicial system or in the criminal justice system or whatever, and not think that it exists at your particular workplace at base camp. Right. Yeah, and and it's that that. Um, just that response, crying and screaming, because it's just not, that's not an adaptive or frankly adult way to, I mean, just think about the political disagreements we have in this country beyond the doors of base, the virtual doors of base camp. How do you survive if that's your response to encountering a little bit of disagreement about whether your particular company can be fairly described as white supremacist? That just doesn't really work. Right. It's like, as long, if you don't agree with this idea of white supremacy as being literally in the air, then you are in fact guilty of being a white supremacist. And it's the very, it's like, yeah, it's like the Robin D'Angelo thing where any, uh, any objection, um, any argumentation just proves once again uh, that you're a white supremacist. I, it's obviously not in the air. I do think white supremacy is sexually transmitted. <laughs> You've gotten that? You've gotten that before? We all, we all, you know, in our twenties, you, you make some bad decisions and, you find yourself clicking through the uh, Breitbart black crime section. You know, a trip to Planned Parenthood will really clear that up for you. <laughs> so soon after this meeting, two things happen. First of all, Basecamp announces that Singer has been suspended from his job. So you have the company that just said a week ago that we're not going to talk politics at work. Now investigating, now suspending and investigating the guy who basically was making the argument that this is why we shouldn't talk politics at work, because it's too tense. And and it seems, based on Casey Newton's reporting, Newton gave no reason to believe that he wasn't, I phrase that very confusingly, the, all the indications are he has been suspended and investigated just for disagreeing about the company being white supremacist, right? Well, he resigned. So I guess investigation over. After he was suspended. Right, right. right. And so he resigns. And then a third, 20, at this point, at least 20 base camp staffers also have resigned. So that's, uh, that's pretty catastrophic for such a small company, right? Right. It's a third of the staff. And, and including this guy who's been there for 18 years, who has resigned for a totally different reason. Like they're all resigning, but they're like, do you think he gets to go to the after party where everybody who just quit gets together and drinks and talks about how much their bosses fucking suck? So it's obviously, I, I've basically been, I really have been mostly off Twitter because it's so stupid, but this was before I left Twitter and people were sort of um, trying to make some point about like, how much how much Basecamp must have handled this wrong to lose so much of its staff, which clearly they did some stuff wrong. But it's like I did see someone point out you're offering people three to six months of severance 
at the tail end of a pandemic, just when the weather is picking up. Like if someone yeah. offered, imagine being offered and, and this is a tech context. So you would think three months severance is like, I would think thir- 30 grand or more. I, so and probably also they're probably in a good position to be hired anywhere else because oh, they've absolutely. now made this, you know, if you if you want to go to a company that is like down with social justice or whatever, the best thing you could do is hire a bunch of these people until you have the same thing happen at your company <laughs> and they all end up quitting a protest again. I, I don't want to suggest that like these people weren't genuinely outraged, although I remain a little bit confused about the outrage, but it was like it was a very convenient time to be outraged. Right, absolutely. Six months, uh, six months severance, right? It's summertime. That's so awesome. Um, you can yeah. literally just like Dude, pick up the, the check and go straight to Europe. It's the best kind of protest. You get paid for it. You look like a hero to certain certain numbers of your peers, and you don't have to go to work for six months. They just like they like post Instagram photos from Tulum, <laughs> just thinking about <laughs> thinking about social justice. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Uh, we're assholes. Okay, so so bigger picture, this does touch on this thing that has been happening in lots of industries, which is this question about what is the role of politics within the company? Are companies better off if they embrace this sort of social justice politics and really like lean into it? Are they better off like Basecamp trying to lean out of it? Doesn't seem like Basecamp has benefited too much from this right now. Um, there was some controversy this week over uh, over an internal memo sent to staffers at the Washington Post saying basically like reporters aren't allowed to go to protest, um, which is pretty standard. I mean, I don't know, when I worked in public radio and when I had a gig at uh, hosting a public television show, I signed a contract saying I wouldn't get involved in, in performative politics like that. Um, there's a reason that these that these these rules exist because you want your, your paper to have some degree of, of – at least to appear to have some degree of objectivity. But a lot of, of course, um, people in the media in particular are sort of appalled by this you know, even though it's an old ass role. Katie, you should be strapped to a gurney and injected with 50 cc's of moral clarity. <laughs> yeah, I'll get that right after I get my next, my third COVID shot. <laughs> third COVID. Ooh, luxury. I'm getting all of them. I'm getting third. I'm getting fourth. I'm getting fifth. Every vaccine, untested ones. Um, Yeah. I mean, it seems to me so trivially true that like, I'm torn on this and and people were mad that back when I was tweeting, I did sort of tweet in defense of companies not wanting these conversations to take over the workplaces because I'm obviously against uh, employers exerting control over what their staffers do in general. But public fucking Slack discussions over hot button political issues are just poison for well-functioning organizations. And I do sort of think employers are within the rights to be like, this is not really the place for this when you're on the clock. Right. And if you're, I I agree with you, like, I do feel a little sort of my own moral, I don't know, confusion here, because on the one hand, I believe in robust free speech protections for employees. On the other hand, I'm trying to imagine the equivalent, like, what if you had an employee who is like proselytizing their their Christian faith or whatever, um, in a public Slack channel, that would be inappropriate. You know, there's a fucking good reason that forever, like, for a long time, it's been like you don't talk about politics, religion, or money in polite company. And you cannot assume that all of your colleagues are going to believe the same thing as you. Um, and so it can cause this sort of like weird tension and anxiety. And especially if you're like the uh, DHH mentioned this in his blog post, or I think it was DHH, you know, if you decline to participate in these conversations, that also says something about you. 
Right. You're seen as complicit because you don't want to. Yeah. I mean, look, again, it's just like it, it is a not a world's historically important form of intolerance, but it is intolerance to say that your colleagues should face punishment or sanction for disagreeing with you about like how racist your company is. It seems like a lot of the people who want this conversation only really want the conversation to be in one direction. They sort of want it to be lecture more than a conversation. Right. It goes back to this idea that diversity is just sort of like racial diversity or ethnic diversity and not diversity of thought. I mean, you can have people of every fucking color of the rainbow. And if they all believe the same thing, if they all come from a similar background, a similar uh, similar social class or whatever, you're not going to actually have much diversity of thought. Yeah, but they don't value diver- I mean, no, they, they don't. don't want diversity of thought. No, I think that's no. a laughable concept. Right. That's a it's a dog whistle. Yeah. Unlike our podcast, where we we constantly disagree in a very different worldview. Your your parents are lawyers. My parents are professors. You're an atheist Jew. I'm just a regular atheist. Exactly. I uh, I'm vegetarian. You were you ever vegetarian? I forget. I was vegetarian from like 13 to 30. So yes, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm vegetarian. I, you used to be vegetarian. Yeah. Um. Anything else? This is a pretty great tech story, and I feel bad the company's well. I think the company would not that I really care. Okay, I will say I think I made this point during the Patreon, but. In the same way that like uh, certain media outlets are obsessed with what's going on at like Oberlin, even though Oberlin is not a particularly important place. But, you know, if you're an upper middle class white person, your kids might know someone at Oberlin. There's something similar going on with this tech company because it is a small company. But if you're a privileged person, you probably know someone with some connection to it. So it becomes a national story when there's workplace drama there. Right. And I think there's some irony in the fact that a lot of the people who would say, like, why are the fuck are you paying attention to what these kids are doing on campus also think that the base camp story is hugely important and, you know, needs to be on the front page of the New York Times. All right. So I guess that about wraps that up. Anything else you want to say about it, Katie? Uh, DHH, if you want to hire uh, hire Jesse and I to, uh, you know, write some new code for you, we're available. Yeah, I would love to come come work for you. I'm good at um, codes. I, d- I took QBasic back in the day. It was like a 90s or 80s programming language. That sounds like a queer. Is it a queer thing? Yeah, it's ba- it's basic, but for queers, yeah. All right. Uh, there was one thing I forgot to mention when I talked about uh, the Spectator gig, which is, this is just a disclosure thing. They reached out to us uh, two months ago about advertising on the show. I believe that's totally separate from them asking me last week to uh, be their media critic. So I just want to make that clear. Uh Otherwise, you can reach out to us and contact us at blockedreportedpodcast at gmail.com. Our subreddit is still going strong, reddit.com slash r slash blockedreported, barpod.org for honestly the hottest merchandise in the world anywhere, I think, right? Oh, my God, yes. I mean, I'm wearing all of my barpod clothes right now, and I'm sweating, literally sweating. I mean physically hot. There's a a manufacturing defect, and it can burn your skin, so be careful. But it looks good at the same time. Yeah. Anything else? Any other housekeeping or contact stuff? Uh, Join our Patreon uh, for $5 a month. You can get three extra episodes of this very podcast every fucking month. We do hangouts. We do ask me anything. (laughs) I thought you said ask me anything. We also do that. Uh, You can get lots of good shit. Check it out at patreon.com slash blocked and reported. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you again for all the kind notes about my family situation. This has been Blocked and Reported. I'm Jesse Single, and remember, if you are a UW student and you do not vote for the dead dog, you're racist. And I'm Katie Herzog, and also remember, Eggman 7698 for president. Mm-hmm.